Hello, and welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and it is my pleasure to be able to share this time with you today. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Well, there's a particular phrase that's repeated over and over again in the Christmas story. Mary heard it. Joseph heard it. So did the shepherds. Just four little words, but they pack a big punch. Do not be afraid. God was sending a clear message to them and to all of us who are facing fearful circumstances. You don't have to be afraid anymore. No matter how scary things may look, fear not. But that's often easier said than done, isn't it? So let's join Dave as he gives us some steps for moving beyond fear. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles now to Deuteronomy 32. Back in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 32. As we continue our focus on how to live differently in these fearful days. This is no small issue. A sociologist by the name of Barry Glasner authored a book a few years back titled The Culture of Fear, and he spoke in a book about the new levels of anxiety in America. Quote, we are the most worried society that has ever lived. For instance, life expectancy has more than doubled this century in our country. We're able to cure more diseases than at any other time in the history of the world. No group of human beings has ever been healthier But at the same time, no group of human beings has ever been more worried about their health. He cites the work of a journalist by the name of Bob Garfield, who tracked the reports in three newspapers over a period of months. The Washington Post, USA Today, and the New York Times. Articles that talked about how sick we are. Here was what he totaled up after a series of months. According to published reports, 59 million Americans have heart disease. 53 million suffer from debilitating migraines, 25 million struggle with osteoporosis, 16 million are dangerously obese, 12 million have mental or emotional disorders, and 8 million have cancer, etc., etc., etc. Totaled up in the articles over these months in just three publications, Glasner cited that there are now 543 million Americans who were seriously ill, which is quite striking when you consider the population of our country is only 266 million. (laughs) He writes, either as a society we are doomed or somebody is seriously double-dipping here. We worry about our health, but it's not just health. Since 1998, the national murder rate has decreased by 20%. However, murder stories on the network news is up 600%. You ever see on TV some of the news magazines, 60 Minutes, Dateline, things like that? Take a look at the topics that typically are are on the show. Usually, it's about how they're trying to market fear. The vehicles you drive, the food you eat, the environment you live in, it's all fear. Millions of books get sold every year about future disasters on the imminent horizon. 
financial collapse, government shutdown, global warming. It's all around us. Here's the thing. It's not just the culture that breeds fear. Some of us had this put into us when we were very, very young. Let me ask you a question. When you were young and you headed out to school as a youngster, did your mother say to you, explore, reach, dare to do great things today? Is that what your mother said to you? I rather doubt it. What did she probably say to you? Be careful. Take care. Play it safe. And you were taught very early as a child, this world is a frightening place and you better walk cautiously through it. But there's another factor of fear beyond the medium, beyond uh, your, your upbringing. There's a physiological component. I read this week uh, that there is a genetic predisposition to worry. Have you heard this? It's known as the worry gene. More specifically, it is the SLC6A4 gene located on chromosome 17Q12. I'm sure most of you knew that. Here's the deal. If you have the short version of that gene, you have a greater predisposition to worry than people who have the long version of that gene. Now, how many of you are worried that you have the short version of the gene, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Given our world, given our culture, our upbringing, and our wiring patterns, it explains why God said more than any other single command in the Bible, do not be afraid. Fear not. And he wants us to learn how to live beyond it. Here's the point. For most of us, we need more than to be told not to be afraid. We need more than information. We need some application. We need to know how to take some steps to move beyond fear. So that's what we're going to talk about in our time this morning. Your first set of notes on the screen. Moving beyond fear requires more than receiving information. It requires taking action. You're going to have to take some action here. Okay? And there's a beautiful picture of this in Deuteronomy 32. Have you found it yet? Deuteronomy 32. Moses is near the end of his life, and now he's giving instruction to the children of Israel. They're about to step into the promised land. He will not be going with them. They're going on without him. But he gives this remarkable word picture here, wanting them to see that God always wanted to do more than simply deliver them from slavery. He wanted to give them dominion over their circumstances. And as such, he wrote these words, beginning in verse 9 of Deuteronomy 32. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Now look at verse 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. Moses is taking an illustration from nature as to how a mother eagle helps her, her eaglets move beyond fear. Have any of you ever seen eagles in the wild, actually seen eagles? Yeah, it's incredible, incredible. When I get to go fishing up in Canada, they're quite common. And going down the waterway, and you see them perched up high up in the trees, staring down with this regal glare at me. Or maybe you see them soaring on the thermals, just soaring. One of the best pictures ever was to actually see one shoot down and his talons pick up a fish. It's an amazing thing. Amazing thing. I've also seen their nests, the Aries they're called, way up high. They're really palatial by avian standards, huge things. 
And as such, there's an upside and a downside. You see, while for these young eaglets, it's big and roomy and the view is great and mom provides all the food, there's a downside and that is they might be content to stay there forever. And before you know it, they become 20-year-old slacker eagles who watch MTV all day. (laughs) And because of that, the mother eagle does something quite remarkable. You see, when an eagle builds a nest, it will not only bring in the twigs and the sticks and so forth, but intentionally, the eagles will bring in sharp thorns and rocks and pebbles. For the most part, those are covered by the down feathers off the mother eagle. But as her eaglets grow, she stirs up the nest. She stirs up the nest intentionally to make it too uncomfortable for the babies to stay. You would think, how cruel? No, how wise. She knows that there is more to life for these baby eagles than simply being in the safe nest. So she stirs it up, and they don't like it because she's creating dissonance in them. She wants them to launch out. You think, what if they don't make it? Do you see how the verse ended there? Verse 11, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, and look, hovers over its young. She's watching. She's watching to see how they're doing because they're young. She even spreads her wings to catch them. They're floundering. She swoops down, and on eagle's wings, they're lifted up. It's a picture of a wise parent helping the youngster grow beyond its fear, stirring up the nest. Moses says, God intentionally does this. He will intentionally stir up your nest to help you move beyond your fear. Some of you are having your nest stirred up right now. It is being stirred up relationally. You're going through a very difficult time in your family and he's stirring up your nest. Some of you are having your nest stirred up financially. How do you navigate these economic days? It's being stirred up occupationally. And you find yourself recognizing that God is saying, I know this is fearful, but I'm going to ask you to take a step, and I'll lift you up if you take a step of faith in obedience. Life is about more than sitting in the nest. It's about soaring on the wings of the Spirit. So here's the first step. God challenges those he loves. He just does. He will stir up your nest. Ongoingly, he will do so. He will challenge you to obey him. And secondly, you will experience fear at that time. It's the fear of the unknown. This is new uncharted territory. It's the fear of the unknown. It's unnatural. The nest may be uncomfortable, but at least it's familiar. Here's what you need to know. People who soar are not people who have fear. People who soar are those who face their fear and take a step of faith anyway. Fear does not disqualify you. In fact, it may be the greatest step toward your growth. So if your nest is being stirred this morning, take heart. God challenges, people fear. Number three, God reassures if it's the presence of power. That's why the words fear not are so common in the Bible. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. 
I love that verse, Isaiah 41, that Gordon alluded to this morning. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you. There's those eagle eagle wings. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As a mother eagle creates dissonance to allow the eaglet to soar, so God will stir up your nest so that you can move beyond your fear. By the way, Isaiah 41.10 would be a fine verse for you to memorize this month. Fine verse. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. But all of this implies a fourth step. And that is, you must step out. You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will return in just a moment. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And then help others to find us by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Well, Dave DeSelm Ministries depends on the generosity of people like you. If you've been blessed by this podcast, please consider giving a gift to DDM. Just go to our website, davedesellministries.org, and click on the Donate button. Dave DeSelm Ministries is here to resource everyday pastors as they seek to equip everyday people to become everyday disciples. And one of the ways we do that is through coaching. In the coaching relationship, pastors and leaders have the opportunity to receive individualized, practical guidance from Dave on the issues they're facing in life and ministry. These one-on-one sessions offer a safe place to discuss some of the unique challenges you're facing with someone who's a bit further down the road of ministry. DDM also offers coaching groups, bringing the coaching relationship into the small group setting. It's a personal space where conversation can take place, relationships can be formed, and help and hope discovered. If you'd like to learn more about coaching, go to davedeselmministries.org or email us at info at davedeselmministries.org. Now, let's return to Dave and the rest of today's teaching. Some of you are familiar with the times in the Bible, or at least one time in the Bible, when God parted the water. When was the first time that God parted the water? What was it? The Red Sea, remember? The children of Israel are walking out of slavery, Pharaoh's armies on their heels. Moses points to the Red Sea in his best Charlton Heston voice. He says, behold the power of God. It says, and the sea parted as they watched, and they walked through as on dry ground. Remember that? Did you know there is a second parting of the water? When was it? The book of Joshua, parting the Jordan. Moses is now gone. They're in the threshold of the promised land. Jericho is in the distance. But first of all, they have to get across the Jordan, and it's in flood stage. It's a raging torrent. This time, God says, have the people step into the water. Do you see the growth here? First step was, watch what God will do. Second step, he says this, you're going to have to get your feet wet. You're going to have to get your feet wet. Step into it. And as they did, God parted the water. The principle of growth is God will increasingly give responsibility. Here's the deal. 
This is what faith is all about as it relates to facing your fear. Many of us uh, play what I call the when-then game. When I don't feel afraid, then I'll take action. When I don't feel afraid, then I'll contact that person and seek to restore a relationship. When I don't feel afraid, I'll apply for that job. When I don't feel afraid, then I'll start tithing. When I don't feel afraid, then I'll join a small group. When I don't feel afraid, then I'll engage in a ministry. And you know what? People who play the when-then game stay in the nest all their lives. You say, well, it sounds pretty good to me right now. No, the fact is, you live a little, miserable, frustrated life far from what you could have lived as a disciple of Jesus. Many of you are familiar with the fact that I hurt my knee. I'm back to the surgeon, the PT this week, and they're really pleased, and I'm doing much, much better. But the physical therapist said this. He said, all right, I'm going to give you exercises to do 20 minutes twice a day. And he said, you're going to be tempted not to do them. I said, why? He said, because you're going to start feeling better. He said, Dave, your good knee has 100% muscle, around, muscle health around the joint. This knee is roughly 70. You will start feeling better at 70. And if you do not continue doing your exercises, you'll be content with 70. Until you're walking across your backyard this summer and just pivot the wrong way and blow it out again. And you'll think, oh, I had bad luck. The fact of the matter was you did not exercise it sufficiently. If you do not exercise your faith sufficiently, one day a storm's going to knock down that nest. Then what are you going to do? It's not only dealing with your fear, it's strengthening your muscles. Look at it this way. I made a little diagram here. You can write these words inside your notes if you want to. Every one of us has what you call an original spiritual comfort zone. It's where you're comfortable. You're comfortable right there. You're comfortable there as it relates to your money, your relationships. I'm just comfortable there. And time and time again, God stirs up the nest. It's time for you to move out relationally, financially, occupationally, ministerially. So he calls you to take a step of faith, a step of faith. And you have to decide if you're going to do it. Let me give you one example. Maybe it's a step of faith evangelistically. The number one reason why people don't share their faith, guess what it is? They're afraid. They're afraid what people may say. They're afraid what people might think. It's easy to talk about Jesus with their Christian friends, but when you talk to someone who has yet to cross the line of faith, it gets kind of weird. So we're afraid. Notwithstanding the fact that you sit here today because somebody moved beyond their fear and shared Jesus with you, invited you to church. But most of us are afraid to do so. It's a bit nerve-wracking to go verbal. You stop and think about it. What is the worst thing that could possibly happen if you share just a word of your testimony? I'm not saying you use a bullhorn or wear a sandwich board, but just, you know, God's been so good to me. Or I find myself time and time again just thanking God for this. And I toss out a little bait and see if somebody rises to it. What's the worst thing that could happen? They could say, I'm just not interested. They could say, don't come around here with that kind of talk. 
That's about the worst thing that could happen. By the way, Christians are dying around the world for daring to stand for Jesus. And the worst thing that could happen to you is someone could say, I'm not interested. Or maybe they could, in fact, mock you or reject you. There's that risk. But what if maybe, just maybe, your point of testimony met them at their point of need? And not in a bragging or judgmental way, but just because you've been so touched by the love of God through Christ, they say, well, I could sure use some hope. And before you know it, a little bit of a discussion takes place. And you find yourself on the backside of that thinking, I was part of God's redemptive movement in that person's life. But it won't happen unless you take a step and dare to go verbal. And as you do, going back to our diagram here, you take a step. And God will call you to this in other areas as well. You'll take a step of faith and the rings go out. You'll take a step of faith again on some other area. Do you see how you're growing bigger? Before you know it, as you move all the way out, you come to a whole enlarged spiritual comfort zone. You're more of a disciple of Jesus because you've taken steps of faith. Not big steps, but incremental steps. And you've moved beyond your fear. It's an amazing thing. Here's what I've discovered, your last point of blanks. As you first take a step of obedience, God will supply you with the power to take other ones. That's a great principle. You just take a step. See, I wouldn't even know how to share the whole gospel with someone. I, don't, I would mess it up. God's saying, just take a step. See what I might do. Just take a step. Take a step. God says to Moses, Moses, you go before Pharaoh. Moses says, ah, what if he doesn't listen? God says, I'll take care of it. God says to Joshua, just stick a step into the Jordan. Watch what I'll do. God says to David, you go challenge Goliath. Just take a step. He says to Peter, take a step outside the boat. Watch what might happen. In every one of those situations, there are so many more. It's only when a person takes a first step that God gives the courage to take a second one. And you begin to move beyond your fear. We'd like for it to work the other way around, wouldn't we? You know, part the Jordan first, then I'll step in. Give Goliath a major brain trauma first, then I'll step up to him. God says, no, I'm growing my children and I'm going to grow you by helping you move beyond your fear. If it wasn't all done before you responded in faith, if it wasn't a step taken before you had 100% certainty, it would not be growth. My wife, just this morning after first gathering, showed me this remarkable quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Take a look on the side screen. Take the first step in faith. I love this. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Just take the first step. You look back at the whole civil rights movement. A group of men and women who just took a, a little lady on the bus named Rosa Park. No, I don't think I'm going to sit in the back of the bus today. She just took a step. And she moved beyond her fear. And God did some amazing things. So as we prepare to close today, I want to ask you, where might God be calling you to take a step? Maybe he is, in fact, asking to take a step financially. You have been afraid all your life that you won't have enough. And you know God has asked his people to tithe, and you think, I, 
I don't know if I can jump to 10%. Well, what might a step be? Just you say, all right, now I'm not giving you anything. Well, take a step and see what God may do. It may be relationally. You know you're going to have to have a face-to-face with that person. We think, I, that's a big, lot of steps. Well, what's one step you can take? What's one step? Engage prayer help? Write a note? Give a gift? What's one step? What's one step? Remember, if you wait for the fear to go away, you will wait in the nest the rest of your life. You were meant to soar, but you're going to have to take a first step beyond your fear. Thank you so much for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.